Hi, everyone, and welcome to Trading for Life Redeemed. I'm your host, Dan, and as always, I am joined by my father, Dr. David Jackson. <laughs> now, Dad, we are just over halfway. We finished part one of Joshua last week. So essentially, the Israelites have come in. They've defeated most of the land, all the major kind of cities that are listed throughout. Mm-hmm. And now we're moving on to dividing the land up between each of the tribes and you know the allotments that were chosen by God to give to each of the tribes, etc. What's important about giving everyone their land? Yeah. Well, apart from the fact God's promised him the, everybody the land, it's about coming back to Eden. It's about coming back to God. It's about having a home, not being a bunch of homeless nobodies drifting around, totally lost. We've finally arrived. God has granted them victory they've driven they've conquered all of the armies that might threaten them and the victory's won uh, and if you think about that in terms of the gospel you know jesus did that for us on a cross so that takes care of uh, part one you know the deal is done we own the land we've got we've got the gift uh, from god uh, now comes the really interesting bit and the really interesting bit is um What are you going to do with it? So the first question is, you know, know, you've got a new house. Who gets which room? So (laughs) I'm sure you're going to enjoy that in a little while. That's Um, right. It's already allocated. You've already sorted that out. (laughs) Yeah. So in this case, (laughs) it's not I'm arriving on my new house with two kids. It's I'm arriving in a whole country and I've got 12 tribes to sort out. Uh, and God is going to allocate that. Now, we've already done two and a half tribes. They're all sorted out there east of the Jordan. So now that we're in the western side of the promised land, the question is going to be who gets which bit, in what order, and who gets to decide that, and the answer is God. Obviously, this is kind of also their inheritance that they're getting, uh, and which bit of the land is kind of important because there's fertility around you know some bits are a lot greener than the others when i was there (laughs) some bits have a lot more fresh water than other bits but uh this is ultimately a land too that relies on rainfall and which is part of the thing with israel is they're going to rely on god throughout now caleb is the next bit that we're going to talk about here so caleb yeah so you've got this little problem there's this interesting conversation between caleb and joshua our two war buddies have been reminiscing going back to when Moses spoke to Caleb. Caleb's a Caleb's not an Israelite. That comes a bit of a surprise. He is a Kenizzite, and for some way or another, he has been adopted into the tribe of Judah. So when the spies went in, uh, Caleb was the representative for Judah, and Joshua was the representative for Ephraim. And they've gone in to do the reconnaissance of the land. And Caleb is the one who speaks up and says, we can do it, boys. We can do it. We can take out the big guys. And everybody else says no. And later on, uh, Joshua chimes in and says, no, I'm with Caleb. So these are the two men who stood together. And in response, Moses said to them, you can have any land you put your foot on. Uh, And at this point, Caleb is reminding Joshua of that promise. So what's happening here is we've looked at the big picture of the land that's going to be allocated to 
you know, whole tribes. But in this case, we're going to zoom down and see how it works out for one family. And Caleb is a fairly significant family. So at 85, he finishes the job of driving the giants out of Hebron. Uh, he said it could be done. He's waited 40 years to do it. Now he's done it. And that now raises uh, another issue because the land that he's been allocated around Hebron includes a town called Debir. Uh, and Debir, it just looks like Caleb's, he's done it. He's 85. He's finished. Uh, let somebody else do the next town. But it's somebody else from his clan. Um, so there it is. And he makes this really, in our culture, offensive decision. Any of you blokes want to take the beer, you can marry my daughter. At that point, I think every woman is screaming. <laughs> uh, we're not cattle. You don't give us away. You know, we're not your property. Uh, and that's quite right. Uh, what we miss while we're having that little scream is that in this culture at this time, what Caleb was actually doing was providing a great blessing to his daughter. His daughter's name is Aksa, which means anklet. Uh, so, you know, cute little name, jewel, pearl, something something beautiful. Uh, but you imagine in our culture, that would be like telling a woman that you're my property, I can give you away. For Aksa, for women at this time, what he's doing is he's endowing his daughter uh, with a prime piece of real estate and making sure that the man she marries is a man who will be a man of great reputation. Not our culture, but then we're not, we're not a subsistence people living off the land. We don't have to worry whether our daughter will have food uh, or whether she'll be protected quite like this. So for Aksa, this is as much a blessing as it is for whoever the guy is that marries her. I think a lot of our objection to this comes from the, the idea that we think these girls had no say in the matter. And that's why I think this case study is actually in the text. Because Aksa, uh, you, you know, the two far, dad's done the deal. The, the man, the hero has gone and captured Debir. He's come back to claim his, his bride. Uh, and the two men have made the decision. Aksa arrives on her donkey uh, here's your husband, you know, have a glass of wine, off you go, enjoy your new home. Aksa arrives, gets off her donkey and goes to dad and renegotiates the whole contract. And that, I think, is a, a very critical window into the way God treats women and the way the gospel deals with women. Uh, this lady goes to dad and says, no, nah, no, nah, there's a hole in this inheritance. We need more water. Uh, what springs have you got over there? How can you lay it out? And dad says, yes. And she says, beauty. And off they go. The marriage is established. So there's lots happening here that teaches us when we get over the fact that this isn't our culture, that this is God taking care of his people and doing justice and giving women a voice um, and hopefully having a father who will listen. <laughs> That's the other side of that story. 
this is good news for us. As they lay out all of this massive area of land, we've seen how it affects one little family. But there's a problem in this text that I'll leave you with. <laughs> uh, the, the hero of the story is, in fact, Caleb, the guy that owns the block of land next door. And the guy that owns the block of land next door is Caleb's brother. So he has just married off his niece to his brother. And I'm not sure how that works, given Leviticus 18, but it happened. And I'll leave you to go and have a look at Leviticus 18 and sort that out. And so God's going to give Judah a fairly large portion, really, uh, down the south. Yes. Out of the south, you know, you're kind of wandering in the desert a bit as you head further south. Oh, yeah. Uh, Judah gets everything. If you look at it, you remember Judah, you've got part of their land goes dribbling down into the uh, the Dead Sea. So En Gedi and all that barren-looking area down there, Masada, uh, that's in Judah. Then you climb up the side of the ridge and you've got this the, the rainy side of the ridge with all that beautiful red soil. And then they get the slopes just down, heading down toward the coast, which looks like, you know, bigger south coast dairy country. And then if you go too far south, you're in the desert again. <laughs> you're going all the way back to the border with Egypt. So they've sort of got all of those, the whole range of geography. So they can run sheep, they can run, you know, olives and vineyards and they can grow plants or they can grow, you know, have sheep go chew the grass. It's, you know, it, and that's milk and honey. Milk on the eastern side where the sheep are because they milk sheep. And <laughs> or goats. They would have had goats. Or goats, yeah. <laughs> But on and on the western side, it's you know flowers and honey and all that sort of thing. So it, that Judah gets the lot. But why Judah? Because it's the where Jesus is going to come from ultimately. Yeah. But you know, it's David's tribe. It's uh, God's kind of looking forward, and it's the tribe that was promised to have kings. That's the other aspect of it. Yeah, is you know, uh, Israel or Jacob blessed Judah and. That blessing was that he was going to be the king and that the scepter wasn't going to leave his house and that kind of stuff. So Yeah. So we've crossed off the first three sons of Israel, Reuben for sleeping with his stepmother, which wasn't a really good idea. Levi and Simeon sort of got disinherited by Jacob because they went in and slaughtered all the people in Shechem. Next son in line is Judah, and he's the one God picks as firstborn, and he's going to inherit. The king is going to come through that. So the first block of land we allocate on the western side is the land that belongs to the future king. So this is Judah, Judea, comes up first. Hmm. Um, so God's promises are being delivered. Problem is now all these people have got to move in and actually occupy it, <laughs> and that's going to be a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, and they're meant to go through and continue to kick out the people, right, as they go through, or are they meant to enslave them, or what are they meant to do that as they try they're, and settle the land? They're meant to set up a separate culture where God is centre and all the idols are gone. But they're living, you know, the Canaanites are there, they're still worshipping Baal and, you know, 47 other gods. And the Israelites attempted just to accommodate 
the local culture, just like Christians today. We're tempted to assimilate the values and the culture uh, of a secular society. How do we live uh, as a minority in a world with that doesn't believe in God or Jesus or anything? How do these people live in a society where everybody around them is worshipping Baal and sex gods and all sorts of horrible things? So do you do you drive that out or do you accommodate it and assimilate with it? And that's Israel's next challenge. And for every believer, that's our challenge. We go from I have become a Christian to now how do I put off my old habits and lifestyle and put on a godliness uh, that Jesus died to give me? And that's our challenge. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not to go through and wipe out everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that brings us, Dad, to the end of episode 43. So if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please make sure that you leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. If you want to grab the uh, show notes, the study notes that go with uh, this episode, please head over to trainingforliferedeem.com slash 43, and you can grab everything there. Otherwise, please make sure you subscribe and Come back next week as we look at Joshua chapter 16 to 18, and it's all about our lot in life.